there. Before we come into the passage, we just need to understand that worship in the Old Testament dispensation was remarkably different than worship in our New Testament dispensation. In the Old Testament, worship centered around animal sacrifice. Uh, That is to say that you would bring your animal to the temple, to the altar, it would be sacrificed, it would be killed, the blood would be spread out and shed as a way of symbolizing for us the death that we should have paid for our sin, but that animal is taking our place, and so that that blood is shed as as a, a reminder to us of the penalty of sin and how we can come back into a relationship with God, Old Testament approach, and that was handled through the priests. The priests would carry out those sacrifices. In the New Testament, we find that it's Christ's Finished sacrifice is the focal point of our worship. His blood was shed on the cross for us. He died in our place to pay for our sins, and we can come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ because of his sacrifice. And so the need for priests sacrificing animals no longer exists, and yet there is a New Testament priesthood, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. But frankly, I'm, I'm glad that we don't have to bring animals in and sacrifice them. I've, I've never butchered a cow. I've never stuck a pig. I've never gutted a deer. And I'm happy to have not had those experiences, though some of you may have had those experiences <clears throat> along the way. Uh, that's because we uh, just live in a sort of different culture, don't we? And uh, our culture that we live in is really uh, not an animal sacrifice culture. It's more of a barbecue culture that we live in. <laughs> Closest thing we come to meat, you know, on an altar is our barbecuing. And, you know, and over the years, I've noticed that, that men particularly um, just have this sort of, many of them have this really kind of focused work of barbecuing. That barbecuing is kind of almost like a religion to them. I mean, it's, you have to have the right grill, the right settings, Uh, You have to make sure that you have the right sauces and all the pieces have to come together. Maybe it's, you know, gas grills, but maybe it's charcoal. I mean, whatever. Everything has to just, you know, smoked meat, all these sorts of things. They just have to be right. And every every guy has his his own way, and his is the best, which is just great. That's fine. I'm happy to come and visit you when you're barbecuing. (laughs) Participate in that. But uh, some of you may be wanting to up your game a little bit, so... You know, I know the Father's Day is just around the corner, you know, after Easter and Mother's Day and a few other events, but Father's Day is coming, so I've done a little shopping for you guys just to save you all the trouble. If you want to upgrade your barbecue skills, uh, you need to invest in a new barbecue grill, and I would recommend to you the Kalamazoo K1000HS freestanding hybrid fire grill with side burner, okay? Yeah. Starting price is... 41,000 plus change. You can start your barbecuing skills well, 41,000. But yeah, don't, don't, you know, there's a lot going on with this grill. For example, this grill has uh, marine grade stainless steel. We all need that. It has four cast stainless steel dragon burners. I have no idea what a dragon burner is, but I've got to think that this is pretty impressive along the way. Uh, It has a low temperature cooking got to have that rotisserie system, so that makes it worthwhile. It has six wheels with heavy-duty locking casters, so you can move this thing around, and it comes with a cover. So, I mean, your, your $41,000 is going to be invested well as you go after this, so I just want to encourage you to go that way in your barbecuing skills. Uh, if not, just go the old-fashioned way and visit friends who barbecue. <clears throat> that works for me. Let's look at Malachi chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. 
And now this admonition is for you, O priests. If you do not listen and if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them because you have not set your heart to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will spread on your faces the offal from your festival sacrifices and you will be carried off with it. And you will know that I have sent you this admonition so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. My covenant was with him a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin." For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth men should seek instruction, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. But you have turned from the way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people, because you have not followed my ways, but have shown partiality in matters of the law." Father, we pray that you give us insight into how to best understand this passage and use it for our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. Doubting God's love, that seems to be the theme through Malachi, as the people expressed a doubt that God still loved them, cared for them. But when we know that God loves us, uh, we know that things change in our lives. And this passage particularly is Malachi, God through Malachi is addressing the priesthood and their their faults is reminding them that they have responsibilities as priests. And we have responsibilities as well as followers of Christ. And I think a a main idea that we can pull from this text is simply this. Because we know that God loves us, then we want to help others experience his love. And I think this is what Malachi is saying to the priests in this day. You, You have failed to help people come into the love of God. But if you understand that God truly loves you and you acknowledge that, then you're going to want others to experience that love. So as we take a look at this passage of Scripture, I think we want to look in those terms. How do we help people experience the love of God? Now, by way of background, we do need to understand a bit about the Old Testament priesthood. And I encourage you to turn with me to a couple of passages of Scripture. They're in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 3. Verse 45, the Old Testament priesthood, the tribe of Levi, 12 tribes of Israel, the tribe of Levi served as the priestly tribe. They were designated to be, by God's design, to be the ones who would serve as priests. And in Numbers chapter 3, verse 45, we see that call given to the Levites. God's word says, The Levites take the Levites in place of all the firstborn of Israel and the livestock of the Levites in place of their livestock. The Levites are to be mine. I am the Lord. So of the 12 tribes, the Levites were set aside by God to be specifically his for his purposes, for his leadership and worship. Down in chapter 18, verse 21 of Numbers, 1821 I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for the work they do while serving at the tent of meeting. So the Levites were to go in to serve God in the tabernacle setting or the temple eventually in that setting. And their work was that priestly function. 
And so they weren't out growing crops and doing all the other things that the rest of the, the nation was doing. So a tenth of what was earned by the rest of the nation was given to support the Levites in their work. This was how God was going to work through them. The Levites had a responsibility to uphold the law and to promote obedience to God's law, receive the opportunity of blessing from God. In chapter 25 of Numbers, verse 10, we find a situation in which the Israelites, just on the, on the verge of entering into the promised land, uh, drift off into sin of idolatry and adultery and sexual immorality. Uh, and uh, and one, of the, one of the Levites, a man by the name of Phineas, steps in and stops the madness and keeps it from spreading so that people wouldn't follow after the sins of some of these who are drifting that way. In verse 10, it says, The Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest has turned my anger away from the Israelites, for he was as zealous as I am for my honor among them, so that in my zeal I did not put an end to them. Therefore tell, tell him, I am making my covenant of peace with him. He and his descendants will have a covenant of a lasting priesthood, because he was zealous for the honor of his God and made atonement for the Israelites. So the tribe of Levi become the priestly tribe. They're to receive blessings from the rest of the people because they are serving the people and leading in the worship and the sacrificial system. And they're to be zealous for the truth. This is the nature of an Old Testament priesthood. If we turn over to the New Testament, as I said earlier... New Testament worship focuses on the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ that is completed on the cross. There are no more, there's no more need for animal sacrifice. The perfect and complete sacrifice has been made. And so we might think then, away goes the priesthood. <clears throat> no need for that. However, 1 Peter chapter 2 gives us an insight that we might not often think about in our Christian walk. That you and I, by God's design, have now entered into the priesthood 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, Peter says, As you come to him, the living stone, come to Jesus Christ, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be, look at that, a holy priesthood, offering what? Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. When you receive Jesus Christ into your life, God put a call on your life to stand out from the rest of the world to serve in a priestly function as a believer priest. Glancing down in that same chapter to verse 9, he says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life, uh, into his wonderful light. And so we find here that in the New Testament, there has been a shift, animal sacrifices, to focusing on the completed sacrifice of Christ on the cross, movement from the, the Levites being the priestly class to believers in Christ being believer priests as those who are to represent the people to God. So we want to think in terms of that. So when we come to Malachi, we find here's what was expected of the priests. This is what is expected of us as believer priests. You ready to follow along with that? I think we can do that. So let's go back to Malachi chapter 2, where we started out. And here again, because we know that God loves us, we want to help others experience his love. Uh, We're going to find here what it means to be a believer priest as we translate this forward into our New Testament era. 
Let's look at some, some of these responsibilities, three responsibilities specifically that we have as believer priests. First, we find that as believer priests, we're to surrender our hearts to God. That's the starting place. Surrender our hearts to God. Chapter 2, verse 1, Malachi, God says to the people, to the Levites, and now this admonition is for you, O priests. So he's talking to the priests of Malachi's time. So was after the Israelites had returned from captivity, they had reestablished the temple, they had reestablished worship, they had had a, a period of time that had transpired to the point that the priests had become slack in their services again. Uh, they were not honoring God, and this is what God calls them to account for in verse 2. If you do not listen and if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. When you stand before the people and you receive those sacrifices and you pronounce some blessing on the people, God says, I'm going to turn that blessing into a curse. Why? Because it's coming from an impure heart. You're not bringing a true heart for God into the picture. He'd already talked about in chapter 1 about bringing insufficient and inappropriate sacrifices to him. It's because their hearts weren't right. I'll send a curse upon you. I'll curse your blessings. Yes, he says, I have already cursed them because you have not set your heart to honor me. Look at that. He says twice, you're setting your heart to honor me. The problem was that the, the, the priests of that day had no heart for God. They were going through the motions. They were doing the rituals. They were taking care of themselves in the process, doing the things that were just by rote experience, but they had no heart for God. It doesn't make sense because a priest is to represent the people to God. How can you represent a people to God if we have no heart for God and therefore no heart for the people? And this is what we find happening here. And God says, enough of this. You don't listen anymore. You don't honor or glorify my name anymore. Therefore, I can't honor your blessings anymore. The things that you think are good achievements, good works in your sight are worthless. <clears throat> So the problem was they had no heart for God. The punishment, no blessings from God. No blessings from God. What does that look like for us as believer priests? What this means to us is that as followers of Jesus Christ, believers in Jesus Christ, our faith experience needs to keep growing and growing in our heart relationship with God. That we need to continue to listen to his voice, to listen to his word, to keep growing in this faith and to have our hearts expand and grow, to, to appreciate and love and honor him more, to bring glory to his name. This is something that is going to be an ongoing practice in our lives then, an ongoing discipline for us to grow our hearts before God. Are you growing before God? Is your heart set on God? He says, you haven't set your hearts to honor my name. You haven't set your hearts to honor me. I think when we look into the New Testament priesthood, we find a very good, clear description of what this might look like. Romans chapter 12. Familiar verses, I'm sure, to you. Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. What do priests do? They offer sacrifices. Here's what we as believer priests do. Offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Not dead sacrifices, not, not slaughtered on an altar, but as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Set your heart on God. Uh, we could call this an act of dedication. 
Present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. For some people, the act of dedication takes place when they receive Christ. They're so aware of their need for Christ and their need to surrender their whole life to him and put themselves in front of God that 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 happens the moment they receive Jesus Christ. For other people, that's really a subsequent thing. You know your need for Jesus Christ. You know that you need salvation. You willingly accept that gift of salvation. But you haven't really given yourself back to God, and that over time becomes an awareness in your life. Maybe this morning that will become an awareness in your life as we look at this verse. For me, personally, it was the second. I came to Christ. I'll just tell you my story a little bit. Some of you have heard it, so thanks for listening again. Some not at all. But it's meaningful, and I think helpful and illustrative for what might take place in your life. But I accepted Christ as a a boy of eight, growing up in a Christian home and hearing the gospel early. Very thankful for that. Uh, So I knew I was saved, but I knew that as I was maturing that I hadn't really given anything back to God. In my teen years, we would go to a camp in the summertime and we'd hear the message on Friday night and come and throw the stick in the fire and commit your life to Christ and give it all to Christ and all that sort of thing. And and I'm a very analytical kind of person, even was back in those days. And I thought, if I do that, that's a promise I'm making to God and I've got to keep the promise. And I don't want to keep a promise to God, not at that level. I'm not ready to do that. In fact, one of the exercises that one of our camp counselors had us do which was very formative in my life, was hand out five little cards. He said, write the five most important things in your life and one on each card. So I did, and all the others in our cabin did that. And, and, and then he said, well, take the, take the one that you want least and throw it down on the floor in the cabin. So we did, and then the second and third. And you come down to the last two, and he says, now, you know, discard the one that you want least so you're holding on to that which is most important in your life. And, and I always remember that because I looked at those two cards, and one of them said, God's will, I really did want that, the other one was happiness. I really did want that too. And I looked at those and being analytical and honest with God, I, I, I threw out God's will. I don't want that. If, it's going, if I'm going to forfeit happiness, I don't want that. And so I tucked that in my Bible and it st- stood there for a, a year or two reminding me that I was, my happiness is more important than God's will. Until a couple of years later, back at camp, no, the campfire's coming on Friday and this thing's haunting me. And I just went off one afternoon and I just spent a couple hours in prayer and reflection and said, God, okay, this is it. This is it. Cheers. Through the stick in the fire, that was irrelevant at that point because I'd given my heart to Jesus. An act of dedication. And by God's grace, I haven't swayed from that because it was, you know, anything, anytime, any place for Jesus kind of commitment. And, you know, as you know my story, you know, one of the things I said, God, anything, I know, but please don't make me into a pastor. Don't, don't make me stand in front of people and talk. I just can't do that. But that's one of the transformative works God's done in my life. But it's that kind of dedication when you say to God, I'm all in. Now, we have to renew that commitment from time to time, don't we? I'm all in. I'm still all in. Still all in. Just like we do in a marriage relationship. Still in love. Still all in. But I'm all in. And this is what what God was saying to the the priests in Malachi's day. You're not all in. You have not set your heart on me. And this is what Paul is saying in Romans 12. Get all in. Give your life as a sacrifice to God. And I want to invite you to make that commitment this morning. If you have done that already, just reaffirm and say, God, you know I said that last year, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, whatever, and I still mean it. That's great. But if you haven't set your heart on God, why not do that today? That's the role of a priest. Second, as believer priests, we're to exemplify peace with God. 
or surrender our hearts to God, we're to exemplify peace with God. <clears throat> Verse 3, God says to the priest, for by the grace, oh, I'm sorry, I'm still in Romans, having a great time there, Malachi chapter 2. <laughs> Verse 2, 3, because of you, God says to the priest, I will rebuke your descendants. Priesthood was something that would carry on from generation to generation, but I'm going to rebuke even your descendants. Uh, You're going to forfeit something significant here. I will spread on your faces the offal from your festival sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it. The offal, in some translations, translate that as dung or other kinds of terms. It's it's, it's when you gut the deer, when you, you, you... Make the animal sacrifice. It's all the, the kind of innards that are useless. It's just the, the ick of the sacrifice. And there are certain parts that would go on the altar and be sacrificed, part, certain parts that were edible and would be given to the priest for food and so forth. But, but there's this ick, the offal. It sounds like awful. I guess it would have been. And so that was to be gathered up. And the Old Testament in, in the law says, gather that up and just you know, take it outside of the camp and dispose of it. Be, you know, outside of the camp, it's unclean, it's unfit. And God says to these priests, you know, in my mind, you're just like that. I would like to smear this in your face and that you be carried off with it outside the camp. That's how terrible you have been at being a priest. Wow, what an indictment. What an indictment that God would say something that harsh to anyone. But this is what it's like when we fail to honor, when we fail to set our hearts on God and we fail to honor him. He says, it's like that. I would just like to shut the doors of the temple. I'd like to kick you out of the camp. I would just like you to be gone because of the way you're treating me. Verse 4, And you will know that I have sent you this admonition so that my covenant with Levi might continue, says the Lord Almighty. My covenant with him is a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. That's what priests are supposed to do. Exemplify peace with God, exemplify uh, being at peace with him and to revere his name. He says, true instruction was in his mouth and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. Point of a priesthood. To make the sacrifices, turn people from their sin, to bring them into relationship with God. By exemplifying peace with God. We get to do this. We get to exemplify Peace with God. We read a few moments ago about Phineas and his zeal for the Lord. How he, he stopped a spreading sin among the Israelites as they were ready to go into the promised land. He came in with a zeal and he put an end to it. Thereby protecting a whole nation from falling into sin. And bringing them instead into a place of, of peace and uprightness. And God honored his zeal. And it makes me wonder how zealous am I for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Am I zealous in the sense that Phineas was zealous for God? Am I ready to defend and promote and extend the peace of God that we have in our hearts through Christ? This, is, this, this speaks to our witness. Uh, again, back in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 1, he talks about here about the idea of peace and uprightness or righteousness, turning people from sin Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. As I gave Levi a, a mission and a message of peace, you can be right with God. Just imagine that. You could bring your sacrifice to the altar. The, the priest could bring it in and, and, and sacrifice, bring it up, and, and could declare to you, you have been brought into peace with God. You're right with God again. What a remarkable mission and ministry. 
And now we as believer priests have that opportunity to help others to see that they can be made right with God. have been justified by faith, uh, he says in chapter 5, verse 1, uh, and so we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We are the ones who have received peace with God through Christ. And having turned our hearts over to him, then we have this privilege of helping turn others from sin, turn others to a place of peace. This speaks to our opportunities of sharing Christ with others. And so are we, are we able to do that? Are we ready to share our faith with others? I think a simple way is just to simply think back to your own experience of God. When did you come to faith in Christ? How did that materialize? Who was influential? What verses of Scripture spoke to your heart? When was that, that time when you turned your life over to Jesus Christ or became aware that Christ was at the center of your life? That's a very simple story to tell. It doesn't take a lot of preparation because it's your story and you can tell it simply. I I told you mine just briefly. And it's very easy. We can share Christ just by telling other people what Christ means to us and how we came into a relationship with him. But I'd suggest also that we prepare ourselves in in various ways to have, have a message that we're ready to share with them, how to explain the gospel to someone who says, I would like to have what you have. Would you be ready to help them have what you have? I think a very simple way is just to go to John 3.16 and say, God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you. Jesus died for you. If you believe in him, put your faith in him, he will preserve you, give you eternal life. Very simple. Let's, let's, Let's pray together and thank God for that gift that he's giving to you right now in your life. Very simple. It would be a way to help somebody identify a transaction with God where we bring them into this wonderful place of peace with God. This is what priests get to do. This is what we as believer priests get to do. We have relationships that build to that place where someone is ready to speak to God about their eternal life. As a believer priest, we get to exemplify peace with God. And third, as believer priests, we're to proclaim the truth of God. Back in Malachi chapter 2, verse 7 For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth men should seek instruction, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. That's our mission as believer priests. We are to preserve knowledge. We are to speak truth. Our lips should be able to explain the truths of God's word. This is where we grow and grow in our life, right? Because you might say to yourself, I don't know the Bible well enough to speak that. We'll start growing. You can start with what you have and start growing into that. Plenty of things we don't have answers for, but there are plenty of things we do. And I think as believer priests, we want to be able to proclaim the truth of God. We need to be able to tell it to others. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, uh, To set apart Christ as Lord in our hearts and be ready always to give an answer to anyone who asks the reason for the hope that's in you with gentleness and respect. Can we, with gentleness and respect, answer someone who says, Well, what's up with you? What's up with Christianity? Why does it take this turn or that or whatever? Are we prepared to talk to people about our faith and about what the scripture says and about the truth of God's word? I hope that we are. The, 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 the national reviews of people's beliefs about God are always kind of stunning when I read them, you know, what people think about God, uh, that more than half of the people that are around us think that, for example, from one survey, think that God learns and adapts to different circumstances. God doesn't know everything. He's still learning and growing. Isn't that interesting? Not the God of the Bible. Or that uh, more than half of the people around us think that Jesus is the first and greatest created being of God, not God himself. 
So we need to help people understand the truth. We need to understand truth. We need to be students of the word of God. Such a way that we would be able to answer questions for those who ask. Do you need to be able to answer every question? No, I can't do that either. It's just, but we can answer the questions people ask and we can find answers for them and we can help them to grow. Because as believer priests, we're to preserve knowledge and speak the instruction as messenger of the Lord. But, but God says to the priests of Malachi's day, but you have turned from the way and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. In other words, they are giving them false teaching. We don't want to be guilty of that. We need to know the truth so that we can present it. And he says, so I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people because you have not followed my ways but have shown partiality in matters of the law. You haven't represented me well. I'm taking away your blessing. In the book of Revelation in the New Testament, we find reference to Jesus speaking to several of the churches of the first century. And in some of those cases, he says, you need to make it right or I'm going to take away your blessing. And he could say that to us too. You need need to make it right or I'm going to withdraw blessing from your life, from your church, from what you expect in Christ. Not that he'll ever stop loving us. Remember, his love never changes. He loves us completely. But he will not bless us if our hearts are not set on him and if we're leading people in the wrong path instead of the truth. And so my simple appeal to you this morning is let's set our hearts on God. Why would we do anything less? With his great love for us, why would we do anything less than be completely, fully, wholly dedicated to him. And then because we know that God loves us, we'll want to help others experience that love. What a great, great mission and ministry we have as believer priests in the completed sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And maybe your starting point today is to receive Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've never made that step of faith with him to acknowledge him as the one who died on the cross for your sins, to receive him as your Savior, and then to make that step of that act of dedication God, any time, any place, anything for you, Jesus, that's what I want in my life. In a few moments.